Hello, Valley family. Uh, it is so good to be coming to you right where you are on our online campus. You know, we've had this online campus for years, and uh, boy, we never saw how incredibly critical and vital it would be as it is in these days that we're living through right now. So wherever you are, if it's in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Costa Rica, wherever it is, uh, we just welcome you and we're just so thrilled that we have this tool by technology uh, that we can gather together even on an online campus, Valley Family Strong, literally thousands and thousands, well over 3,000 uh, people logging in every single week uh, for our Valley online campus. And uh, big shout out to all of our, our tech team uh, staff and even volunteers that through the years have just served so so uh, faithfully, making a huge, huge difference. We're in week number five uh, in our series that we're calling How to, uh, How to Live Through a Bad Day, and uh, we're looking at these powerful statements that Jesus made on the cross. I mean, we call it Good Friday when it happened, but it wasn't good for him, it was good for us. And, and, and so we're looking at these seven statements that he struggled to even make these from the cross, as we've looked at over the last few weeks. And uh, they have powerful, practical truth for you and I today, right where we live, even going through, as we've seen, this kind of crisis, coronavirus crisis that uh, we're facing right now. And we're, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together. We're going to look back on this one day and like, wow, you know, I think God was actually doing some things in the middle of all the chaos, all the confusion, all the uncertainty. I believe God wants to do some really powerful things in our lives and through our lives right now here today. And so, uh, if you have your Valley app at home, I just invite you, go ahead, open that up. You'll be able to follow along with me. If not, if you don't have a Valley app, you can go ahead and download that in your app store for free. It's a great way to stay in touch, especially during this time when we can't get together uh, with all this going on, all that we're offering to the Valley family, and follow along in the sermon as well, and it'll save the notes for you. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 has been kind of our framework for this whole series uh, in the message uh, translation or message version of the Bible. And, and it says here, real quick, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. And that's what we're doing. We're literally studying how did he live through a bad day, the worst day ever known, and, and how we can really follow his example. So study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. And then he goes on and says, he could put up with anything along the way. And you know what? You can too. You can too. I can put up with anything along the way with the strength of Jesus Christ. And so maybe you're tuning in for the first time of our online campus and you're looking for hope. And I just want to say right here on the, for, on the front end, you can have hope today. It's found in Jesus Christ. He wants to give you that hope. He could put up with anything along the way. Look at what he put up with. A lot more than a virus. The cross, the shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor alongside God. So I, I'm just so thankful that, that really as we gathered together as a teaching team months and months ago, uh, looking at what what series of messages should we be working on and share with the Valley family around leading up to the Easter time period spring. This is really where the Holy Spirit directed us. And we didn't even know, but he knew, God knew, none of this is a surprise to him. Uh, he knew what, what we'd be facing uh, here in, in March and in April of uh, 2020. 
And so I think it's just incredibly practical. Some of the lessons that we've already learned uh, over the last few weeks, week number one, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Week number two, see beyond your own struggles. Week number three, take care of those near you. Week number four, aim your hard questions at God is what we looked at uh, just last week. Uh, and now week number five, uh, we're, we're coming again, we're going to look at Jesus's words and find real practical power in them. And this is found, uh, the one we want to focus in on, the, the fifth message or saying of Jesus from the cross, real practical. John chapter 19, the Bible says, later knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. What, what was practical about that? I mean, what is it? We should all take a drink of water? Well, may maybe, you know, just uh, clear the throat. But I think it was a little bit more than just uh, take a little swallow of water. The fifth lesson that we find, this fifth statement from Jesus is this. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. That Jesus, in his humanity... There's only seven things that he says from the cross. The fifth one is, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. See, Jesus was not just fully God, but he was also fully human. And that just brings me so much hope and confidence because what he did, what he went through, through in his life and his death and his resurrection... He went through it for you and me as a human and God at the same time. Deity and humanity. And here we hear him really identifying and speaking out of that humanity. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. So be human enough to acknowledge your need. And I want to just tell you, this is a big one for me. This is a big one for Greg Williams. This is tough. Even in the middle of, of some difficult days that, that we're walking through right now, it's just really hard for me. And I've had people, and I'm thankful for it, that have called me and said, hey, how can I help? Do you need anything? And it's really, really hard. I mean, I guess it's, as a pastor especially, I, I'm so much in the routine of helping other people, you know, being there for other people, that, that, that it just makes me feel really awkward when someone's like, what do you need? And I'm like, oh. But Jesus said, he was thirsty. He needed something to drink. So be human enough to acknowledge your own needs. You, you know, it, we, we always tend to kind of hide our needs. And, and this goes all the way back, I think, to the Garden of Eden. Uh, you know, God made everything perfect, and, and he told Adam and, and subsequently Eve that there's only one rule. God's not into rules. A lot of religions into rules. God's not into rules. He had one rule. Think about that. Just there's one tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of the fruit of that tree. Everything else you can have, that's the only rule before sin entered. Of course, we know Adam and Eve disobeyed. They took the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They broke the one rule that, that God gave. And uh, after that, there were all kinds of rules that God has given us. And that's for our own safety because of our sinfulness. But God's not all into rules. That, that's, that's the result of sin in humanity, that he gave us rules. And uh, 
But, but it says that, that they took of the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and they realized that they realized something was really wrong. And instead of going to God with their need, instead, they hid. And it seems like it's so easy. We hide instead of coming clean and being human and acknowledging our needs. Look at it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, as God begins to walk on the cool of the day, just as he would with Adam and Eve all along. And he says, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Instead of going to God with his need, he, he hid instead. He didn't come clean. He wasn't honest about what he really needed, and he hid instead. You know, it, this, this verse always kind of reminds me where it says, Adam says, I, I, I was naked, so I hid. I remember my grandfather telling me, you know, there's a difference, uh, you, you know, this word naked here. He said, uh, naked is how you're born, and, and nude Nude is like having to do with art and stuff like that. That's nude. And then there's another word. I think it's probably the right pronunciation of this. They'd say down in Georgia where I'm from, naked. They're not naked. They're naked. Naked is when you're doing something you ought not be doing. Uh, so, so it's almost like he says, I was naked. I was doing something I ought not be doing. I was sinning. I was taking the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As my grandpappy would say, he was naked. Not naked. Maybe that's how you're born. He was naked doing something that he shouldn't have been doing and didn't come clean to God with what his real need was. And, and, and I think it's hard sometimes and, uh, to really be real, to be authentic. And, and I don't know why that is. That, that, uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for it, actually. But uh, why so many times in church, we just paint on a smile. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, by the way, if you're not real familiar with the Valley family, again, join us on our online campus. We have one rule here. We have one rule here. It's not don't touch the, the you know, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Our one rule is this. You ready for this? Uh, no perfect people are allowed. No, no perfect people. You're, you're not going to find any perfect people, Valley Christian Church. If you're perfect, I'm sorry, maybe there's another church for you. Uh, I don't know where that is that just has perfect people in it, but we're not perfect. We're all struggling. We're all in different uh, steps, different phases of our, our spiritual growth and maturity. And, and so no perfect people are allowed here. And yet sometimes it's still really, it's hard to be real. There are roadblocks to being real. And I want to give you three roadblocks really to being real uh, because it's, it's important for us to be real in our humanity. And I think there are things that kind of set us up where we're defensive and we're not transparent. I try to be transparent as a leader, but I've got work to do on this uh, as well on this topic. And, and I think one of those roadblocks, first of all, is the fear of being hurt. The, the fear of being hurt is a big, big roadblock to just being real and transparent. You know, maybe it's the things that, that people have said to us, said about us, uh, that, that hurt us, and we're like, oh man, I don't want that ever to happen again. I mean, uh, I, I don't know, maybe you do. It seems like, like uh, you know, every like extended family, there's always that one person, maybe it's a cousin or a uncle or aunt that just just seems like uh, everything they say is just kind of negative that comes out of their mouth and and all uh my, my grandmother uh was kind of like that uh on my dad's side and uh and I remember uh right after Susie and I got married 
um, we went down to visit her at one point, and we were out to dinner with her, actually, and uh, she kind of had a real high voice like this, and uh, we're, we're eating some seafood, and, and she stops right in the middle of it, and she says, Gregory, let me see your teeth. I had really... I've had a lot of work done uh, on my mouth and my teeth, uh, braces and, and all kinds of procedures and stuff like that done. And, and uh, the dentists have done a fantastic job. And uh, it was after I had some work done when I was about 23 and uh, some additional stuff. And, uh, and she said, what in the world has happened to your teeth? And I was like, well, memo, my grandma, that's what we called her, memo. I said, memo, I got some work done, got, you know, fixed up my grill. And, uh, and she turns to Susie and she goes, Susie, you should have seen his teeth. Boy, that was the nastiest thing when he opened his mouth, all twisted and gnarly, looked like a bear trap. And I was kind of sitting there like, <laughs> thanks, Thanks, Grandma. I love you, too. That's just one example, you know. And, and what's funny is I had a lot of work done, uh, obviously braces and stuff, and then in my early 20s. But, but it kept me, th those kind of words hurt. And it kept me from smiling for probably another, like, till I was 30. I just didn't smile that much. I'd be like, because <laughs> I'm thinking, twisted and gnarly, it looks like a bear trap. Thanks, Mamma. You, you know, maybe maybe people have spoken words over you or uh, betrayed a trust, uh, you, you know, and it hurt. And so we tend to like not lower our we, we keep our defenses up. We don't lower our guard and, and let people in. Uh, but look at what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 32 said, when I kept it all inside, kept it all to myself, all this stuff pent up inside of me, didn't let anybody in, my bones turned to powder, my words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up, all the juices of my life dried up. Then I let it all out. I said, I'll make a clean, I'll make a clean uh, breast of my failures to God. Suddenly the pressure was gone. When we got real and, and I let it go to God and I came clean with it and I just let it all out, all of a sudden, you, you know what happened? All the pressure was gone. All the pressure was gone. So maybe it's the fear of being hurt. Here's the second one. Maybe it's the fear of being rejected. The fear of rejection. We, we, we fight rejection. And you know how you can often tell uh, someone who's really struggling with rejection, the fear of rejection? They'll do anything to be accepted. They'll, do any, they'll put themselves in danger just on a dare just to be accepted. They'll, they'll do things they know are bad. They're going to harm just so people will accept them and not reject them. And we fight against this all the time, trying to be accepted. John chapter 12, verse 43, the Bible says, For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. A lot of people would rather have people clapping for them, whole crowd clapping for them, than those nail-scarred hands of Jesus clapping for them. There, was, there were people like that 2,000 years ago. There's people like that today. Would rather have a crowd cheering them on instead of those nail-scarred hands of Jesus. I want those nail-scarred hands. If nobody else is clapping, I want those nail-scarred hands of Jesus clapping and saying, a boy, Greg. a boy. Good job. I approve of you. I accept you, even if no one else does. 
Psalm 139, verse 14, David got a hold of this, and he said this, uh, King David, he said, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know that. David said, you don't make mistakes. You don't make mistakes. Your, Your workmanship is wonderful. The way you created me, just accepting, just loving ourselves. It's so important. And when we know God doesn't make junk, it's workmanship, craftsmanship. That's that's who you are. That's who I am, craftsmanship. We, We don't have to fear being rejected. David knew what God thought about him, and you know what? It quieted all the other opinions about David in his life because he knew the truth about himself from God's perspective. So really, really incredibly important. And, and the third one is this, the, the fear of being exposed. The fear of being exposed, that'll keep us keeping people at arm's distance. You know, it goes through our minds, you know, all these lies that we tell ourselves and, and our insecurities, you know. If they knew, what would they really think about me? If they really knew who I was, we pretend, we put on masks, we, we pretend everything's great, everything's fine. And, and in our minds, we're like, if they really knew the true me, would they, would they still feel that way about me? Would they still love me? Would they still even like me? And then, of course, our enemy, Satan, comes along. He loves to just reinforce that. And so in our minds, we're just thinking, if they, if they really knew, what would they think? And then he comes along and just says, uh, they, they'll all leave you if they know who you really are, if they know what your struggle really is. But that, that's why we say... One rule here, no perfect people allowed. We should never be surprised by somebody's struggle. We're all struggling. We all have struggles. We all have stuff that we're trying to work out, that, that we're looking to God to heal, make us whole in, deep inside. So it's just, we, we want Valley Family always to be a, a safe place where we can be real about our struggles. We don't have to be fearful of being exposed I love the, the message version of the Bible paraphrase in 2 Corinthians 4.2. It puts it this way. We refuse to wear masks and play games. Boy, that, that's a fantastic verse right there. We refuse for any church. We refuse. We refuse to have all these religious words that someone who hadn't been in church for 20 years have no idea what we're talking about. We just want to make it plain and simple for everybody to understand all the time. We're not going to put religious masks on or anything. We refuse to wear masks and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, plain speak, clear, the whole truth on display so that those who want to can see. So very important just in in a healthy church environment and culture. This is what it's supposed to look like. Refuse to wear masks and play games. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 kind of talks about the same idea. It says, but if we walk in the light as he, that's Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's why you can find true relationships with other Christians as we're walking in the light, not in darkness, not hiding stuff back, not pretending like everything's okay when, when, when there's all kinds of problems and chaos and confusion and anxiety and, and worry uh, and fear in our hearts and in our lives. Come and clean with that, be an honest with that when we're in the light and we then we have real relationship real fellowship that's that's a a relational word close relationship with one another that's what God's plan is and and so 
These are roadblocks, but how can we really, just as Jesus was so human, I thirst. Think of all the things he could have said. All the things that maybe you would have said. But, but, but Jesus, out of seven statements that he makes, the fifth one, I thirst. He acknowledged his humanity. I thirst. And so let me, let me just give you, in our remaining time together in the message, uh, four, four ways that we can grow in transparency. Four things that we can do. Four, you know, we like to talk about steps all the time here uh, at, at Valley Christian Church. And uh, four practical steps that you can do, even in social distancing, that you can begin to do. Four steps, real practically, how we can become more and more authentic, more and more transparent with those in our family, our friends, in our, in our community of faith. Four real practical ways that you and I can grow in our transparency. Here's, you know, and, uh, and I think the first thing, you know, I'd kind of say with this is, uh, before I give you the four points, is uh, asking for help doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're human. I have to tell myself that all the time. Asking for help doesn't mean I'm weak. It means I'm human. No, no, we can't live this life by ourselves. We need other people. We can't walk out our faith in Christ by ourselves. We need the help of others. And I think maybe even at this time that we're walking through social distancing and, and, and really trying to be wise about what we're doing, we realize how much we really do need each other. As many of us haven't seen a whole lot of folks face-to-face in a long time weeks now, we realize, man, I, I need other people in my life. And so the first thing we need to do is I just encourage you, establish a crew. Who's your crew? Who's your, who's your posse? Everyone needs a, a shoulder to cry on and a listening ear. Everyone needs that. And so who is your, your crew? Who, who are those that you, that you turn to? I'm, I'm thankful. I, I've got some real close uh, godly friends that I've reached out to, they've reached out to me, and, and they're like, how, how are you doing through all this? Because the reality is, uh, for our church staff, it, it's not like there's less work to do right now. There is even more work to do. We're, we're crazy busy. As my, my dad would say, busier than a one-armed man in a wallpaper contest, you know, or one-armed wallpaper uh, hanger. And, and uh, that's kind of how we feel, kind of, <laughs> you know, because there's so much moving all of our ministries online, making as much available as possible. Uh, establish your crew. Establish your crew. And, and, you know, one of the things that's so important, I think, is sometimes we miss is that the church is a building. The church is a building. And I'm not talking about this building the church is a spiritual building built and forged by relationships. And uh, the stability is what I believe the church does best. And, and it's really what we need to be for one another. That's why groups are such an important part of the life uh, of the Valley family. And, and that's why we're working and launching uh, online groups so that people can continue to connect you know, through different online platforms. During this time, we're, we're, we're really feeling very isolated. It's amazing how just using technology, we can continue to connect. And so if you haven't checked that out yet, check our Valley website 
for our coronavirus information and update page. And you're going to hear more and more as we roll these out because we, we want people to continue to be able to connect. Who's your crew? Establish your crew because we're a spiritual building, not, not sheetrock and laminated beams. This is not a building. We're spiritual building. Look at what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. Together we are his house. That's people. The church is people, not a steeple. The church is people. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple to the Lord. We're people. The, 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 the building of God, the, the, the church is a building, and that's people. And so you need to establish a small group. That, that you can lean on, that you can rely on. Like I said, everyone needs a shoulder to cry on and an ear to listen. And, and so, so important to develop those relationships. The second way to be in, transparent is enact a growth plan. Have a strategic plan for your growth. The, the best way to grow your life is to get around somebody who has what you want. I'm not talking about earthly possessions. I'm not like, I want your car, so I'm going to hang out with you. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but, but, but you see someone who's been married, has a happy marriage, for, married for like over 20 years, just spend some time. How, how does that work? I know you've had to weather some storms. How does that work? You, you see a, a family, and it seems like they're, their kids are pretty well adjusted, and they love Jesus, and maybe they're even grown, you know, Listen, I'm just starting out as a parent. You know, uh, can you give me some tips uh, on how to really bring Jesus in, make him the center of your family as your kids are growing up? Find someone who's been successful at it. You know, maybe even when it comes to finances, maybe you've got a lot of debt and, and you know, right now things are really tough. Find someone who's, who's paid off everything. How did you do it? Get some principles. Just so important that we enact a growth plan. Because here's the thing, the church is not just a, a building, the church is also a body. The church is a body. Look at Ephesians 4, 16, the Bible says, He makes, that's God, the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. And so the, we need each other, and, and we can help each other grow. And you know how you help each other grow? One of the best ways is by people you hang out with, having a strategic plan, a mentor. Just recently, a young guy just, just started in ministry, asked me actually, he was like, would you mentor me on the other side of the world? I said, sure, I'd be happy to. I, I'm coming up on 30 years. He's starting his first year. And he said, would you mentor me? So already, again, using technology, back and forth. Amazing how we can utilize these, these tools that have been put in our hands that I'm able to, to mentor him in ministry on the other side of the world. And so an active growth plan. Here's the third one, enlist an army. <laughs> enlist an army. Literally, you'll, you'll never be more protected in life than when you're surrounded by people who want to see you win. 
Let, let me say that again. You'll never be more protected in life than when you're surrounded by people who want to see you win. They want to help. There are enough people that want to, in this world that want to tear us down. Surround yourself with people that want to see you win and that are going to inspire you. They're going to clap. They're going to cheer you on to be the best that God's created you to be, to fulfill your purpose and your destiny. And you know what? You just have to, like, you got to recruit you, you really do. You've got to recruit and you've got to enlist. And that means just kind of humbling yourself as a human being, acknowledging you're human and say, listen, can you help me? I see you've got something in your life. Okay, can you pray for me? Can, 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 can you be a prayer partner, even if it's online right now through Zoom or Facebook, you know, or, or something like that, uh, FaceTime or whatever, you, you know, setting up regular times to pray for one another. Enlist an army. Recruit them and enlist. It doesn't happen by accident. And, and, and establishing a prayer group, even if it's virtually, virtual reality. The reason being is the church is a flock. The Bible makes it clear the church is a flock. That means sheep, we're supposed to be connected to one another. It's the sheep that's off by himself. That's the one the wolf gets. And so even under less than favorable, optimal conditions right now, we can still be connected. Make the most. Leverage the tools that God's given to us to stay connected. To stay connected in the flock of God. Luke chapter 12, verse 32 says, So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives you, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. I love this. It says little flock. I looked this up in 32 different translations of the New Testament. Every single one says little flock. I was just wondering, like, why does it say little instead of like, you know, why, why, why the adjective of little flock? Because you know what? It doesn't take too many. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my, you know, where do we, Two or three are gathered in my name. Jesus said, there I am in the midst. You don't have to have it be in an in a auditorium that seats 300 for God's presence to show up. That's not what the Bible teaches. Two or three. Two or three. We get so hung up, and maybe that's something that's just teaching us. God's teaching us right now through this, this crisis. We get so hung up on the big event, but don't be afraid, little flock. Little flock. Maybe just two or three. You know what? Let me just say something to moms and dads. You're the best pastor your family's ever going to have, mom and dad. That's your flock. Isn't it funny how in, in 1 Timothy, the qualifications for someone to lead the flock of God, it's not how well they preach. It's not how gifted they are in their ability, you know, orator. How, how do they lead their family? Their spouse, their kids. Right here. Right here. For some of us, over these last few weeks, for the future, as we can see it, we've spent more time with our families in the last two or three weeks than we ever have because of this situation. And I'm praying just when we, God's just going to strengthen husbands and wives growing in their relationship with one another. Family units growing strong during this time together. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom of God.
where two or three are gathered. In my name, there I am in the midst of them. That's what Jesus said. So enlist an army. Establish a crew. Enact a growth plan. And, and the last one, this is, this is hard. This is hard for a lot of us. I, I think this is part of my, my struggle, quite honestly. Embrace being loved. Embrace being loved. For many of us, it's, it's hard just to, to be on the receiving end uh, of being loved. And I think there's probably all different reasons for that. But, but, but this is a hard one for me. It, it, I don't think I'm hard to love. I think I'm, it's hard for me to receive love. And, and it's like when, when people, you know, kind of reach out and extend love, I'm kind of like, no, yeah, you don't really mean that. And that's not a them problem. That's a me problem. And like I said, God's, God's doing stuff. I'm growing. Getting better with the Holy Spirit working in my life. And, and, and we need to really embrace being loved the reason for that is the church is a family. The church is a family. It's the family of God. And that's why, you know, I don't say this just flippantly, the Valley family. You know, families should be, not always. It's not the way it always is, but ideally committed to one another and committed for the best of one another. Church is a family. I think we probably feel that a little bit more now. It's maybe a little bit more acute, intense, that feeling of family when, when we can't be together with our church family physically the way that we've gotten so used to it, maybe even that we took for granted in times past. The church is a family. Look at what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, the Bible says, you're members of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You belong in God's family. If, if you've received Christ as your Savior, and you, you've received his, sac his sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection from the dead to pay for your personal sins, you're in the family. And God, the reality is God wants everyone in the family of God. But we have to receive his son to be adopted into his family. The Bible's real clear about that. That's where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Nobody comes into the family except through me. It's his uh, all-inclusive, exclusive claim that Jesus made. Totally inclusive of everyone. The invitation's been given to everyone but you have to RSVP. You, you have to accept the invitation, that exclusive invitation. As Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And you belong in the family of God. As I like to say it sometimes, if God had a refrigerator, there'd be your picture on it hung by a magnet. You belong. He loves you. You belong in the family. You're members of God's very own family. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. And so just kind of summarizing, 
this, this message, this fifth statement that Jesus makes, I thirst, and that the lesson is we want to be human enough to acknowledge our need. I, I would put it this way. I can be me when I'm connected to those who believe in me. I can really be me when I'm connected to those who believe in me. And I might actually put a little more statement, like instead of a period of comma there, I, I might put it this way. I can be me when I'm connected to those who believe in me, comma, and believe in him. And believe in him, Jesus. Because that's real family. <laughs> Spiritual family. Listen, maybe, maybe uh, your natural family was, was really a disappointment. Maybe it was a heartbreak, heartache. Maybe still is. But God's spiritual family, there's life in God's spiritual family. When, when we drop our masks, decide we're going to acknowledge that we're really human, that we have some needs, we have some struggles, and, and we begin to forge real relationships the way God wants us to. That's what I believe Valley Christian Church is. That's what I believe our, our church family is. And, and I hope that's what you experience. And, and again, if, if you're just joining us for the first time, I give you that invitation as well to experience real family. That we can acknowledge that we're really human and we can acknowledge our needs. And here's the thing, uh, we all need Jesus. I need him desperately. I feel like I need Jesus more today than I did yesterday. And I'll probably need him even more tomorrow than I do today. And, and you know what? That, that need is as we lean into Jesus as our Savior and Lord, he gives us the strength that we can overcome anything that we face together when I'm connected to those who believe in me and believe in him. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray that as we're going through some bad days for, for many of us, for most of us, Lord, we know that we can conquer our bad days because of you, Jesus. And, and Father, I just pray that, that we would have the courage to take the next steps to become transparent Lord, Lord, to really establish a crew, to enact a growth plan, to enlist an army, and to embrace being loved. We can find all those things in, in your church, Lord, because it's a building, it's a body, it's an army, and it's a family. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, to live a sinless life and to lay that life down as a sacrifice. To pay in full, to take the punishment for each and every one of our personal sins and to rise again from the dead to prove that he paid the price when we received that sacrifice. God, give us courage and boldness to live life the way that you created us to a life that's transparent, a life that acknowledges that we really are human and that we do need one another. And Lord, may we leverage, even in tough times, the technology that you've provided for us, tools 
that we can continue to connect with one another. And we're going to get through this with your strength, with your grace, as we lean on Jesus and as we learn to lean on others. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity that I believe you're doing so much more than we could ever ask or really even think or imagine. Right now with our heads bowed and still praying, I I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're joining with us on online campus today and, and you've never taken that first step of faith of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, asking Him to be your Lord, The Bible says that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now and just invite you, if you've never done it before in your living room, in your office, you know, your man cave, wherever you are right now watching this, park bench, I I, I just want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. He lived a sinless life for you. He died a sacrificial death for you. And he rose from the dead to show you and me our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, because of him. So I just want to invite you, just repeat this prayer after me right now and open your heart up to Jesus. Just say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. And I receive Jesus Christ. Jesus be my Savior. Jesus be my Lord. I ask you to lead me. Guide me. Direct me. From this day forward. And I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I want to do one other thing before we go. You'll, you'll see on your online campus, there's a connect card, a little tab there. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to just encourage you, let us know. Just fill out that online form right now. And, and uh, we want to get some information into your hands. We're not going to hassle you or anything. We're going to send you an email just of some practical next steps that you can take that are going to help you grow in your newfound faith in Jesus Christ. That's the most powerful life-changing prayer that anyone can ever pray that you just prayed. And I'm, I'm proud of you. Would you just fill out that connect card? Let us know today I receive Christ as my Savior. And we'll email you out some practical next steps that are going to help you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. God bless you. We'll see you again next week. Wow. 